Well, it's beautiful to see the decorations of Christmas in our sanctuary, and I'd like to uh, acknowledge and thank our decorating committee, Leanne and Jackie, as well as everyone else who helped uh, put up the decorations. I'd also like to point out our new banner that we have in the church here and and thank Adeline for the excellent work in uh, that. It's very fitting for this season and very well done, so thank you. It has a very fitting message. A child is born, God with us, Emmanuel. I believe she chose some very fitting words that sums up the message of Christmas. A child is born, God with us, Emmanuel. That is what Emmanuel means, God with us. And he was with us for the first time in the flesh in the form of a little baby. It's a profound, profound thought and something that I think it's good for us to reflect on every year as we enter the Advent season. As an exercise for us to have this sink into our hearts, I want us to recite that banner together in unison. And we're just going to say it once through. A child is born, God with us, Emmanuel. So would you recite with me together? A child is born, God with us, Emmanuel. This is why we're gathered here today is because God is with us. It's an awesome thing to know that God is here with us, in our midst right now, and as we worship him, he is there in our worship, and he is pleased by it. There is a few things that uh, come to to mind as we gather together as well, just uh, to share with the church family. Um, A prayer request on behalf of, of Brittany. Her brother yesterday had a very scary incident. He had a seizure He's never had one before. He was rushed uh, to emergency in Brandon, and uh, so they ran a battery of of, uh, tests on him, and they determined that actually some head trauma that he's experienced over the years from playing hockey was the reason for this this seizure to happen. And so uh, he is not allowed to have any more physical contact, no more hockey, no nothing, because it could be very dangerous if he was to have another uh, concussion or something like that. So... They're thankful that it's not something worse, but still a a scary incident yesterday. So if you wouldn't um, uh, definitely remember, uh, Kurt is his name, Brittany's brother in prayer, that would definitely be appreciated. So um, I also just want to give the opportunity, if anyone else has something that they would like to share, a prayer request this morning, I want to give opportunity for that as well. Um, I know it's always important to to do this. So if anyone has a a prayer item, a request, or a, a praise item, Uh, Feel free to share that now as we go into prayer. Does anyone have anything? (laughs) Amen. In case you didn't hear that in the back, um, Helen can see you now. So... (laughs) I believe it was a couple of weeks ago now that you had your, your operation, and it was a, a great success, so that's just a tremendous answer to prayer. Uh, you know, we just watched in the video, Jesus opened the eyes of the blind, and he can, he can bring healing in many different ways, and so we thank God for bringing that for, for you, and I'm sure Johnny is just as thrilled. <laughs> that's awesome. That is great news. Thanks for sharing that. Does anyone else have something they'd like to share?
Okay. Okay. Uh, and what what is his wife's name? Luella. Luella. Okay. Thank you, Henry. Does anyone else have something? That is. Thanks for sharing that. I would suggest if we if we all rolled out our answer to prayers, they would go down the aisles and then some. It's uh, it's amazing to to think the ways God answers prayer. Let's go to prayer then. Would you unite your hearts with me and let's bow together? Heavenly Father, we come before you today as your people, and we acknowledge that you are our Father. You are the giver of every good gift, and for every one of those gifts, we give you thanks. Thank you, Lord, for the ways that we can remember your answers to prayer. Thank you that we can praise you for the answers to prayer on Helen's behalf, that her operation for her eyesight was a success. And we just give you praise and thanks for that. We want to thank you as well, Lord, for having your hand over Curtis yesterday, even as he went through a very scary incident. We just thank you that you have brought him through it. And we just pray, Lord, that you would continue to have your hand on him, that your peace and your strength would surround him. And I pray, Lord, that ultimately he would look to you for comfort in this time. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to be with Brittany as, as uh, this is something that's weighed on her, a sudden incident. And we just pray that you would give her wisdom and strength as she comforts her brother. I want to pray as well, Lord, for Luann and uh, her situation with a stroke. I don't know it personally, Lord, but you do. And so we simply ask that your will would be done there, and we ask that you would be near to them. We pray as well, Lord, for anyone in our church family who is struggling with illness, whether it's known or unknown. You know it all together, Lord, and so we place each one of them into your hands, and we ask that you would have your, your, your perfect will done in their situations. We pray, Lord, that they would each one seek you for strength and for healing. We know that you are able, and so we look to you. Thank you that you provide richly. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have to enter the Christmas season, this first Advent, and to reflect on you, Emmanuel, God with us, and God in us. Thank you that by your Spirit you indwell each one who comes to faith in you, that you are with us. And so thank you that as we enter your word, you will speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would anoint your word to each one of us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The faint aroma of sweet-smelling incense lingered in the air as he prepared himself to walk up the polished stairway through the court of priests and into the holy place. He could hear the hushed murmurs of the people gathered in the outer courtyards where the faithful had gathered to worship and to pray. 
He could feel his heartbeat racing in his chest as his excitement built. This was a momentous moment in his life. For the first time, the cast lot had finally fallen on him. He had been given the honor of lighting the fire on the golden altar of incense. He had often wondered if this day would ever come. A priest was only allowed to light the incense once in their life. When he had been a young man still training for the priesthood, he had simply taken it for granted that his time would come. But as the decades had passed and he had continued to serve as a priest, his doubt had grown with it. Why had he never been chosen for this honor? Was the Lord punishing him, perhaps, for some unknown sin in his life? He knew full well that that was exactly what his fellow priests assumed. They had good reason to believe that as well. You see, he and his wife were childless. She was barren. And, of course, everyone knew that not being able to have children was, of course, God's judgment on them for some sin. As the pain of this reality once again flickered in his heart, Zechariah paused to gather himself. Though the wound of not having children was an old one, a familiar wound, it still had the ability to strike him unexpectedly with an overwhelming sadness. He had seen all of his brothers and fellow priests have children of their own. He had seen their joy as they bounced their baby boys on their knees, witnessed the pride in their eyes as their sons had recited the Torah for the first time. He had heard the family celebrations only possible for those with a table full of children. But he, he and his wife, were just alone at their table. Zechariah remembered the countless hours he had spent on his knees in prayer, begging God, pleading with him to give them a child. He even remembered how Elizabeth would come home in tears, weeping bitterly at the barbed comments she had heard that day about being barren. The stigma of childlessness weighed most heavily on her, and she couldn't help but hear the whispers. It can't be Zachariah's secret sin that's being punished. He's a priest after all. It must be hers. She's to blame. Zachariah tried his best to shield her from these types of things, but there was only so much he could do. For years he had continued believing that God would give them a child, and he had waited patiently for God's reply. But that was already a long time ago. He and Elizabeth were already old and only getting older. At some point, he had to simply face the facts and accept they were never going to have a child. With force of long-practice self-discipline, Zechariah closed his eyes and drew in a deep breath, focusing his thoughts. As he slowly exhaled, he could feel his heartbeat slow down and his mind clear as he returned to the present moment. Today was not a day of sadness. Today was a day of vindication. God had chosen him to enter the holy place, to light the incense on the golden altar, the altar symbolizing all of Israel's prayer being risen up in this incense as a fragrant offering to God, and he would accept the prayers of his people. This was the highest act of mediation between God and man. A solemn privilege and a sacred honor, and as such, demanded his full attention. Zechariah looked around at the other priests and then looked back down at the burning coal he carried, which had been taken from the altar of sacrifice and now was being carried to the altar of incense. 
He whispered a silent prayer and then slowly and carefully made his way up the white marble steps and into the doorway of the holy place. The gold overlaid walls glittered and the altar of incense gleamed directly before him. At the far end of the room was the scarlet veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. He had never been there before. Only the high priest was allowed to enter the holy of holies, and then only on one special day of the year, the day of atonement. Zechariah walked forward towards the golden altar, but he stopped short in mid-stride. A cold chill ran down his spine. He wasn't alone. Someone was standing beside the altar. Who could it be? He was certain that no one had been there just a moment earlier. Zachariah squeezed his eyes shut. Maybe the excitement of the moment was getting to him. The nervous energy was causing him to see things. That's it. He was just seeing things. He would open his eyes and the figure would be gone. And slowly, Zechariah reopened his eyes, but the figure was still standing there beside the altar, directly in front of him. He looked like a man, and yet somehow he sensed that he was more than just an ordinary man. A fear unlike any he had ever known before gripped him. Who was he? What was he? And what did he want? And then the figure spoke. His voice rang with authority, and yet was somehow as gentle as a babbling brook. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. How does he know my name and my wife's name? How does he know we have no children? And he says we will have a son? Is this man an angel? Yes, he must be an angel. The figure continued. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah had now somewhat recovered from his initial shock. His mind began to analyze what he was hearing. If God had really heard his prayer and was going to give them a son, wasn't he a decade too late? I mean, ten years ago it would have been conceivable, but having a son in their old age, it was... Impossible. As these thoughts raced through his mind, the figure stood patiently, waiting for Zechariah's response. After a long moment, Zechariah nervously <clears throat> cleared his throat. <sighs> How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. At this, the figure's eyes seemed to glow, and the voice that had previously been gentle now boomed like rolling thunder. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Zechariah stood stupefied. 
The power and authority of what he had just seen and heard was undeniable. The archangel of God had been revealed before his very eyes, and his heart knew that Gabriel had told him the truth. They would have a son. The fear that had moments earlier gripped his heart turned a 180. His, his fear, his terror turned into joy, and then ecstasy. How could he have been so foolish to doubt? Yes, they would have a son. And then remorse gripped his heart. Why had he doubted God's messenger? How had he been so foolish and faithless to doubt that God had heard his prayer? That he could give them a son, even in their old age? Of course, nothing is too hard for God. How many times, how many times hadn't he said those words in the synagogue? Nothing is impossible for God. And yet he himself had doubted. Yes, God could do this, just like he had for Abraham and Sarah. He could do it for them. And Zechariah opened his mouth to confirm this newfound belief in his heart. And as he spoke, as he attempted to speak the words, nothing happened. His voice was gone, and so he tried again. But he could not utter a single word or a sound. What the angel had said had come to pass. He could not speak. Just as quickly as the realization struck him, the angel was gone, vanished from his sight, just as though he had never been there. Zachariah stood there, awestruck, speechless, in the most literal way possible. The desire at this moment to lift his voice in worship to the Lord God was greater than any other moment he had experienced in his life. His heart was so full it wanted to burst with joy. And his mouth was silent. Here God had not forgotten him. God had remembered him. God had heard his prayer. God was not punishing them. God was giving them a son. John. His name would be John. What does that mean? John. Yahweh is gracious. Yes, Yahweh is gracious. How fitting. God had been gracious to them. Elizabeth would bear a special son with a special assignment. One who would turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. The disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God was not a decade late in answering his prayer for a child. His timing was right. Perfect in his time. The fragrance of worship and prayer filled the room as Zechariah finally lit the incense upon the golden altar. God had graciously received and was yet receiving the prayers of his people. Just as he always had, Zechariah was reminded of the familiar words of the prophet that he had recited many times in the synagogue. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even the youths grow tired and weary, and even young men stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, and they will walk 
and not be faint. Zechariah left the temple that day a changed man. And the world changed because of the messenger, John the Baptist, who went out as a forerunner of the Messiah to prepare the way of the Lord. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Those are the words ushered by John the Baptist, the long-awaited son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. As we enter the Advent season, we are reminded that Advent is a time of waiting. Waiting to hear from God. Israel waited 400 years of silence. They endured 400 years between the prophet Malachi until the last prophet, John the Baptist, was born. 400 years they heard no divine word from God. 400 years the nation waited to hear from him. They waited for their Messiah. Zechariah and Elizabeth waited for a child. They waited to hear from God, wondering if God would answer, wondering if God cared about their situation. And we are waiting today as well. We wait for all sorts of things. We wait and we wait. We spend the vast majority of our lives waiting. I've read that the combined total of the average lifespan spent waiting is close to a third of the hours of your life are spent waiting in traffic, waiting in the doctor's office, waiting in line, waiting for this, waiting for that. We spend so much time waiting. We wait for many things to happen in this world around us. We wait for wars to end and for peace to reign. We wait for hate to cease and for love to grow. We wait for sickness to end and for health to flourish. We wait for depression to lift and for joy to sing. And as we wait for Christmas, we celebrate Jesus first coming into this world as a little baby. And still we wait all the more eagerly for his second coming, when he will return into this world, not as a baby, but as a king, to take his rightful place upon the throne of this world. And though we hope for that day, we long for that day, still we wait. And waiting never seems fun when you're in the process of waiting, does it? Just ask the child waiting to open their presents. Are you enjoying this period of waiting, little Johnny? (laughs) If you gave a child the opportunity to open the gift early rather than waiting, what do you think they're going to (laughs) do? They're going to rip into it every time. We don't enjoy waiting. Just look at the faces of people waiting in the checkout line, waiting in the, the waiting room as it's aptly labeled in the hospital. No one likes sitting there waiting. No one enjoys the process. And we're much the same when we're waiting to hear from God. We don't enjoy waiting. We want an answer now. We want to hear from Him. And yet we wait. Are you praying about something and wondering why He hasn't answered yet? Have you prayed a prayer and you haven't yet heard a response? Maybe you're beginning to wonder if God cares about your situation. Maybe you're wondering if he's punishing you for some secret sin that you're not even aware of. Maybe you're thinking he's forgotten about you, or just he's too busy. He's too busy caring about the other more righteous, pious people around you, but not you. You've done too much. Well, let me tell you today, God has not forgotten you. God is not callous towards your situation or your need. 
as hard as this is for us to accept sometimes, God is for you. God is for you. He is not against you. God is a father who loves his children. He is for each and every one of you. And if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can stand against you? God is for you. Embrace that today. So whatever your situation is, whatever you're asking for, whatever you're wondering if God is going to do something about that situation, don't give up. Don't give in. In the words of Sir Winston Churchill, never, ever, 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 ever give up. Ever. Are you on the verge of giving up? Have you ever entertained the thought that giving up would be easier than pressing on? I know I have in times in my life. And yet when I turn to God, He always gives the strength to keep going and then to keep going again. Don't give up. Zechariah was on the verge of giving up. He had all but given up the faintest glimmer of hope that they would ever have a child. And yet, God saw his situation. He had a plan. And his plan involved his perfect timing. Not a moment earlier. And so today, we can take hope from Zechariah and Elizabeth's example. That though they began to doubt that God would give them a child... Yet they persevered. They did not renounce God. They continued to serve faithfully. And yes, though Zachariah doubted when the angel gave him the news, he had prayed, and he had continued to pray. And God answered that prayer in his own perfect time. What are you waiting for today? Do you believe that God has a plan and an answer for your situation? Can you trust that he will implement it in his perfect time and not a moment earlier. Can you wait patiently for the Lord? I want you to listen to these beautiful words from Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. You've heard them before most likely, but just reflect on this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Everything. He has made everything beautiful in its time. What a profound thought. Not just a few things beautiful. Everything. Not just, not just you know, 50% or 75%. 100%. He has made everything beautiful. And not just ho-hum. He hasn't made everything kind of nice. He hasn't made everything, you know, so-so. He has made everything beautiful. Do we believe that that is his ultimate aim and purpose for your life and for this world. He who began a good work in you will carry it out until the day of what? Completion, perfection, beauty. Your life is not yet done, my friends. Mine isn't. I'm thankful for that today. He is working out something beautiful in his time. And yes, we look around at this world right now and we see the brokenness. We look at our governments and the struggle and the political turmoil in the world around us and we think, how has it gotten so wrong, so broken? How could God bring something beautiful out of this? And yet he will. The day is coming when he will remake this world and it will be perfect. He will sit on the throne. 
there will be no more war. We heard those words earlier this morning. Just peace. Imagine a world that only knows peace. The only language, the only speech that we will be familiar with is the speech of love and grace. Hate will have no place there. He will make everything beautiful in his time. I read about a plant that is quite common in America's southwest desert. It's named the century plant. And this unique plant thrives in rocky, mountainous desert sites. It has dramatic splayed leaves that grow up to a foot wide. And the plant can reach 12 feet in diameter. But what makes the century plant so unusual, as its name suggests, is its long reproduction cycle. For 20 to 30 years, the six-foot-tall plant just stands exactly as it is, the same height. Year after year after year, nothing changes. But then one year, without any warning, a new bud sprouts. And that bud, which resembles something similar to a tree trunk size asparagus shoot, just pops out the top of it and shoots straight up into the sky at the fantastic rate of seven inches per day. In the plant world, that's fast. It grows seven inches per day, and it reaches an eventual height of anywhere from 20 to 30 feet. Then once it has reached its full height, it crowns itself with several clumps of yellow blossoms that last up to three weeks. Just like the century plant, many of the most glorious things that God will yet do in our lives only come after a long wait in the desert. And yet we wait, and we know that one day God will do something spectacular. He will crown us with his glory, and life will never again be the same. Psalm 37, verse 7 says this, Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently upon him. What are you resting on? Besides your Sealy or Serta mattress, are you resting upon the Lord? Are you resting in him? In the turmoil of your life and the situations that you face on a day-to-day basis, as you wait and as you pray and as you hope and as you fight, who are you resting in? Rest upon the Lord. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. So this Advent season, as we wait for Christmas, may we be reminded to wait patiently upon the Lord and like Zechariah, trust in him. Trust that we will hear from him in his perfect time and not a moment earlier. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we want to rest in you and we wait patiently upon you. We wait, O Lord, for your perfect time for your perfect will to be accomplished. And so, Lord, we ask that your kingdom come and your will be done in this world, in this church, and in our lives. We pray, O Lord, that you would do something in our hearts today. We pray, O Lord, that you would do something in this church and in this community. We pray, O Lord, that your will, O Lord, your perfect will would be achieved. And so, Father, we pray for revival. We pray for renewal, and we pray, Lord, for a new life to emerge in your perfect timing. So help us to pray for that day and look eagerly forward to that day, anticipating what you have yet to do in us. Thank you, Lord, that you will make all things beautiful in your perfect time. 
And so, Father, we trust in you as we go out today. Thank you, Lord, for what you are yet to do. In Jesus' name, amen.